And welcome back, everybody, to Top Shelf, a guide to high-quality leadership, spirits, and everything in between. Hey, sorry, everybody, for the delay. It's been uh, about three, four weeks, but uh, as promised, we have a guest. We have a guest. Uh, We have a guest. (laughs) Uh, Season 3, Episode 6, Number 21. I'm going to go into a full introduction to uh, a good friend of mine. and a friend of mine now, right? Well, well, now yeah, a friend yeah, of friend, and a friend of, and a, everybody's. So Joseph F. Madigan, Canadian Forces, one tour of duty in Iraq, Canadian Decoration Medal, uh, twelve years. We have a UN Peacekeeper for Iran Iraq Medal, and an, something very surprising to me that I didn't even know. Uh, also, a medal for Peacekeeper in Iraq also part of the Nobel Peace Prize. So amazing uh, that uh, Joe's you know, joining us here. We're going to talk um, about Joe's uh, life in the military. We're going to tie all that into uh, leadership as well. Our current event will be world policing. Our topic, two topics today, will be finding your voice as a leader, and we'll tie that all in with Joe. Uh, we're also going to talk about freedom and freedoms in the workplace, and that all ties into this episode. This is our Remembrance Day episode. Our cocktail du jour is Ryan Reynolds. The vasectomy. The vasectomy. Oh, yeah. Who's had one of those? Yeah. Oh. <laughs> I've had a vasectomy. Yeah. See, Joe's had a Hopefully vasectomy. this one tastes better than mine hurt. Oh. Yes. Yeah, I'm with you on that. Yeah, it was not pleasant. <laughs> so it's bright red, uh, some gin in there, and a salute to the troops uh, right at the end. So we're, uh, we're going to run longer than usual, just getting everybody ready. So... Sit in your chair. This is going to be, we're going to do a bio here with Joe, and we're really going to find out, you know, give us your life experience in the military. So starting off in the military, you know, born in Oshawa, Ontario. I don't need to tell anyone where that is. You know, Canada knows Canada. Uh, You know, take us on the journey from, you know, we talked about this on uh, Monday, you know why? Why the military? What 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 led you into the military? Well, back in in eighty one, like you know, growing up in a in a factory town in Ontario, you know, you you you've got people. Most people are working at General Motors or Dupont or other factories, and and. And it's just like your life. So here I am, finished high school, and it was like, okay. But didn't have a, my, I came from a family of five kids, and we didn't have a lot of money to, to go to school. So it was sort of figured out, fend for yourself kind of thing. I mean, my dad wanted me to be a lawyer, but we didn't have the, what was he going to give the other kids? Nothing, and then me everything? You could rub two pennies together. Yeah. Yeah. So anyways, I, I, I got a job, and I was working at a, at a factory, and, making some good money and whatever, but I, you know, it was like the paycheck had come and you had pile in my van and go to the strip club and buy a case of beer and a bag of weed. And, and that was sort of yeah. like that 70s show and just living there. <clears throat> That's not a life, right? That sounds well, like 2023. When you're in your late teens, it's not so bad. You just think it's pretty cool. But then you're, you know, I came to a realization probably when I was 19 that I couldn't carry on that lifestyle. And wanted to see more Canada, really. I wanted to see more of the world. <clears throat> and um, I 
I wanted, I thought electronics was probably the, the thing to do, so I got into electronics and, and, uh, um, but I, I had taken it in high school and I was quite good at it. So I, I thought, what do I want to be in life? You, no one knows what they want to be when you're 19 years old. No, so still I thought, I want to be. <laughs> exactly. But you go to a recruiter and I thought, I'll do this recruiting thing. And they'll tell me what I'm supposed to be, what I'm best best suited for. Sure, yeah. Painter. Cool. That's great. So you do this aptitude test, and then if you're half decent, they tell you, you're suited for anything. Pick what you want. And it's like, shit, now i got to make a decision. So so I had to make a decision, and I chose uh, electronics, and I, I got into that. And uh, What do you mean you got into electronics? Electronics in the military or just military. electronics in general? In the military. Oh, in the military. In the military. Okay. And you don't know what trade you're going to be. You're, you, you have to do a basic electronics training, and then you... And then you uh, after that, you pick your specialty. Kind of like well, you, you don't pick necessarily. They might pick you. Mm, Things okay. happen right. and, and where they need you, right? Like there might be a bunch of radio technicians that have retired and they need people in that trade. Right. So it just all depends on, on like the Canadian forces. The way the Canadian forces work is every trade has a, a, a quantity of people in various ranks in yeah. that trade. And that's brought up to the treasury board so that's exactly what they're allowed to have so when they're when they need people they just try to fill slots and so you did really well in that course right mm-hmm. you did really well in electronics yeah i did and so you got that you got the kind of the golden shake where you could kind of decide where you i, to I was supposed yeah. to get the golden shake where i could choose but at, at that time there was 11 people needed for this particular course so it was called terminal equipment technician and we were uh um telephone technicians and so 11 of us passed the basic electronics training and we all had to move together which was great we we were a very fun bunch of guys and and girls that we we got along great it was a really cool camaraderie we had so did that training for another three months six six months actually in kingston and then in uh in 82 uh that I finished in up my training and got transferred my first posting to Penhold, Alberta. So, so you get posted. So you go from Kingston, Ontario. You're mm-hmm. familiar. Your family's there. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> That's over. Mm-hmm. You're shipping up with the crew. All eleven of you. That you're all. No, 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 no. Just me and one other girl who ended up being my wife later. But uh, that I was we, we got transferred. <laughs> so you Penhold. you dragged her with you. Another one got transferred to. Oh, so they separated all of them. We all went different places. Oh, you places. went different places? We all okay. went different okay. Do you keep in touch with any of those people? Oh, yeah. Oh, great. Yeah, oh, yeah. Cool. The, yeah, brother, yeah, yeah. the brotherhood. Or yeah. do, do, is it brotherhood slash sisterhood? Well, it's just the camaraderie of it all. Yeah? Yeah. 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 Not all of them. I, some of them I, I, I haven't seen. I went back to a buddy of mine's retirement there a few years ago in Ottawa, and uh, some of those people were there. And, and I look at them, and I hadn't seen them in 40 years. And I'm looking at the person, and until I look in their eyes, and then I could see who that person was. Oh, interesting! It took, it's the weirdest thing. Yeah, you look at them, and you think, "Who the hell are you?" And then you, yeah. they start talking. You look in their eyes, and you go, and "You click." There you go. Interesting. You go. Yeah. Yeah, I've had that before, but um, you know, with with kids, I've grown up because I've moved a few times. Exactly. And I remember Kid, running into yeah. it thirty years later, and I'm like, "I know that person," and oh yeah, that's 
Charlie, he's lived down the road from me. The eyes don't and change. It's, it's just the eyes, yeah. You're the right. eyes don't change. Yeah, yeah. yeah you, you lose your hair, you get a little fatter, you get a little whatever happens to be. It's all what yeah. it is. Yeah. But but no, no, these people are still, I, many of them are still good, very good friends. Okay. And so anyways, I got transferred to Kingston. I drove... Oh, you know, you get transferred from Kingston to Penhold in, in 82. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> and then how long do you spend in Kingston? Or so how long do you spend in Penhold? Six years. And what, what did you do in six years? In six years. So what, what did you accomplish? My, 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 in, my, my, my job, well, I was a private when I got there. And I was a corporal when I left. But I, I was in, a, I worked in one of the defense bunkers. You know the defense, you ever hear of the defense bunkers? Nope. So Canada, back during the Cold War, um, Diefendaker uh, had all these bunkers built all across Canada and they were all built uh, to withstand nuclear blast but they were built so many kilometers back then it was miles from the provincial capital of that so there's one in there was one in Nanaimo Victoria just north of Victoria there was one in Penhold Alberta just south of Edmonton so see I was going to ask where is Penhold okay just south of Edmonton it's actually Red Deer okay perfect yeah and then there was one in there was one in Brandon Manitoba that serviced Regina and Winnipeg gotcha and then there was one in uh, uh, Barrie Ontario that the Toronto the head of Ontario yeah. would go there and then because this is where all the government officials would go in case of nuclear war so, yeah so having so they'd hide them in that bunker hmm? they'd hide them in the bunker it was the communications would be fully operational it was it was like it was incredible there was uh, a morgue there was uh, so like a little city communication yeah like like the community it was a CBC studio in there oh wow and the wow. CBC stu- well that was actually one of the cool my cool jobs was as as my trade we had to go into that CBC studio every month and make sure everything worked. Nice. <laughs> so yeah. I'd sit there, the red light would come on, and I'd put on a relic floating on a forty-five. I'd put on Mac the knife. You know, you guys probably are too young to know oh, that yeah, song. Know but yeah. but we put that song on, and, and I'd listen to it, and just sit there and make sure all the buttons make sure work, everything, everything works. Else, and then that was your job for that day. So majority of your work would have been maintenance work then. Maintenance work. Okay, yeah, yeah just not keeping much, things operating. Um, keeping things working. Installing new technology. Keeping things working. Keeping things working. Okay, yeah, great. Yeah. And well, I was very lucky because in my trade we were a very small group of people in the forces, and we used to. Uh, get asked to go do work in other places that didn't cool, have cool. us. Yeah, so cool. I, got, I went to Cold Lake and put in a telephone switch up in Cold Lake. I went to, I got on this one crew that I went to Kingston, back to Kingston to this one troop, and I was I was uh, seconded, if you will, there, and got to travel all over Canada to all the bunkers mm-hmm. and do this one particular maintenance yeah, thing. Yeah. It was such a cool job and living in hotels. Drinking far too much and and <laughs> and uh, but 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 seeing the country, which was a lot of fun, and Absolutely. and I mean, I spent 15 years in the forces, and I I never slept a day in a tent. Interesting. Basic training. Basic. I was just gonna say minus basic, basic training. Yeah. Basic training, and that was probably only like two days or three days. Well, and basic training is only three months, right? So and, you were basic at that, at that time. time. At that time yeah, it was. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But the end of basic training is when you go and you do this field exercise, right? And yeah, I think it was a couple of days in a tent or whatever in Nova Scotia. That was that was my limit of, oh, <laughs> of wow. hardship. Everyone else was hotels and basically flying Air Canada around the country. Were, oh, were you guys incredible. treated differently in the military? Because, you know, obviously there's a, a, a bunch of folks in the military that spend a lot of time in tents. And were, like, uh-huh. were you kind of like... Um, yeah. Yeah, like kind of. You were the soft guys. One, one, we got paid more. 
Oh, well, so, yeah. So we got specialist pay, yeah. which which the linemen and the, and the infantry guys hated us because we got <laughs> yeah, yeah. we got extra money. Yeah, they're Operation Human Shield. You're the guys We're, reporting that yeah, they're. That's right, yeah. that's right. So we got yeah, yeah. we got a little extra, which was you know, it, and and you know, at the end of the day, it wasn't a lot, but but whatever, it was what it was. Yeah, exactly. And then, um, yeah, they, they, you know, well, there's a big there was a big thing even between the Air Force, the Army, and the Navy, and me. When they, back when I joined, we were all green. Mm-hmm. The Canadian Forces was all green. We were all one, one thing. So you'd, you'd go to um, Trenton, Ontario, or they, they was called the Air Movement Units (AMUs), and and that's where people all flew from Edmonton, mm-hmm. uh, Comox, whatever, to go other places, to go on courses and stuff. And you'd meet there, and you'd see all these other trades from all these, you know. The guys, you knew the trades by the by the cap badge. They had a beaver on their head. They were an engineer. If they had a these paper clips, they were a supply person. Mm-hmm. And Procurement. If you, had, if you had the Jimmy, on your head, the Jimmy was a his condom Greek symbol. It's a Greek symbol with lightning bolts. Oh, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. And and that's the oh, that could have been a cool of, logo of uh, communications. That was the oh, communications. Oh, cool. Nice. Yeah, yeah. So I have a tattoo now with the, that on it and some other stuff. Ah, my military yeah, oh, nice. so yeah, okay. yeah, yeah but the forces was uh uh it was a real learning experience i mean when you joined back then you joined in a, in a trade like mine yep. you joined for five years you had to serve five years and you could get out after five years at around the four-year point they come and they say sign up for an indefinite term and that brings you to 20. yeah gotcha 20 yeah. And, wow. and you can get out any time in between but but it gives you a, you know, a for sure job kind of thing. For sure. You're yeah, not taking yeah. it they, unless you're a total a lot, You've spent a lot of time training, but they've also invested a lot into you as well. They've invested and they a lot keep, they And they want to keep, keep, keep you. Yeah. And, they, and they're, yeah, it was, I mean, things have changed in the forces an awful lot with the demographics, et cetera. Well, technology too. And technology. And, and technology. <laughs> Just, and how the world works, right? Quick, uh, quick yeah. question, Joe. So you said um, Penhold, you arrive, you're a private. That's that's you're you're a junior, right? Mm-hmm. You left as a corporal. Is yeah, that corporal, the next corporal's, step up. Corporal's that... next step up. Okay. Yeah, actually. corporal's next step up. Okay. And then I went to Kingston, Ontario, and right away when I got to Kingston, I was with a unit, and we went over to Baghdad. And um, um, so when you go to Baghdad, so you yeah. you go from Kingston, you get on one of those big bomber planes. How Hercules? Are you gonna Hercules. Hercules. a Herc? A Herc. Herc. So you load up. Herc. Yeah. We, we we took a bus down to Trenton. We sat there on our. This was a it was a really cool thing because I ended up on the in the Toronto Sun in the paper or the Toronto Sun. They yeah. uh, picture me and stuff, and there was a picture. Well, because no, the UN at that time had had only been doing the Golan Heights and uh, what was the other one? Golan and Cyprus. Pretty well, were the only two yeah. tours. Of duty, the active so, tours. Bang! All yep. of a sudden, uh, Iran Iraq came up, and and um, it was all the communications people had to go, and we're laying around on our baggage, just waiting for a plane to take off. So we packed into that, flew from there to Gander, Newfoundland, refueled, flew from there to Germany, and they said to us, "Okay, you got ten minutes or five minutes, whatever, to get your gear, or get something up on off your." To wear or whatever or just anyway i looked at the bags and they were all packed into the 
perk on a skid and it was like, ah, fuck it. Like we all just said, ah, fuck it. And we all went to the barracks. They got in a bus, went to these barracks and we all had the combat clothing we were wearing. We stripped down, threw them in the laundry, put them back on, went to the bar. (laughs) Nice. And start. And then the next day we flew, we're flying to, we're supposed to fly to Baghdad. So we're in the plane. We're thinking we're flying to Baghdad. And the plane, the, the, the Iraqis wouldn't let the UN fly into their airspace at that particular moment for whatever reason. So we, we landed in northern Turkey in this uh, U.S. base. Okay, yeah. And, it, and there was gun emplacements on the ground and all, all the shit. It was pretty, pretty wild. Culture shock, right? Worst culture shock is the herc opens up, the back, the back of the herc opens up. Yeah. And it's 55 Celsius and it's freaking cooking. And you're, you're full like, geared up, right? And, and we're in combats, yeah. the, the shitty old Canadian combats that we had at the time. And uh, and they say to me, Madigan, you got to guard the weapons because we had to lay our weapons down. We weren't allowed to have our weapons. What do I guard them with? <laughs> exactly. So I'm standing there with this with this uh, uh, Turkish soldier and, and just... And I don't I don't know what the hell I'm doing. I'm just standing there. You, and does he even speak basically. English? Nope. So he doesn't speak a lick of English. Not English. You don't speak a lick of... I don't speak any Arabic at all. And, so you're just staring and, at each and, other. And, but at that moment, the, the king, the reason why they... And then he tells me I got to go. And I'm saying, no, they told me I got to stay here. He says, no, you got to go. And I'm going, okay, fuck. I, he's got a gun. I don't. I'll go. I'm walking across the tarmac and the king of Egypt or some fucking thing landed and they had these this whole bunch of Mercedes are all in a line just flying across the tarmac yeah. almost hit me for Christ's sakes I get to the to the to the, to the air hangar and the and my lieutenant's there what are you doing what are you doing back here I says they told me to go back what do you mean I said fuck he's got a gun I'm not gonna say I got I got Shit. I got a I got a knife so, he's got a gun so the whole time we were in Iraq our guns were just put into a into a Holdings and a holding, and we never seen them. The Iraqis, so no weapons. The Iraqis guarded us the whole time. Oh, interesting. Yeah, yeah. So you couldn't protect yourself. So something went sideways. No, nope. a carjack. You're just like, hey, oh, I know karate. Yeah, yeah. no, no, you're uh, pretty screwed. You're right? Pretty screwed. Yes, I, I have Roman, Roman, Russian, Greco, rest. Yes, that's like, right. Oh, that, yeah, no, no, none of that. Can no, I ask no. a question here? It's sure, um, sure. What year was this? And was 1988. This? Oh, this is 88. Okay, so this was the was this the beginning of a war, or there was just already the end of the the end of the Iran Iraq war. It, okay, it, it gotcha. had been going on on for seven years. Gotcha. And okay. the UN stepped in. And this we, isn't the Gulf War. This is pre Gulf War. Pre Gulf War. Saddam Hussein was yeah. still in charge. Wow. Okay, yeah, yeah. So he was in charge even back then. Gotcha. Yeah. yeah. Well, yeah. Saddam. I mean. You know, uh, Saddam. The, Saddam ran a whole tie into your yeah. Role yes. Thing. Saddam ran a very. Tight ship, tight ship. There, he did. Well, I didn't yeah. know, like, you know, obviously politics, anything oh, yeah. sub nineteen ninety. I have no idea, but you know, I know Ronald Reagan yeah, was around, Ronald and, Reagan. and Pierre yeah. Reaganomics. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah. otherwise, like, you know, over there, I, I thought um, Saddam got in in the nineties. That's what I thought. No, I thought, like, no he he was. He, he was huh? Well, I mean, prior to us, uh, the UN moving into Baghdad, prior to us being there, we were in these apartment buildings that were for foreign people mm-hmm. and in our apartment was Russian newspapers the Russians had been there before we were there yeah yeah so it just was 
But you felt safe. You felt safe in that hotel, right? It was a. It was not it was a third. A it didn't feel like a third world hotel. hotel. It was an apartment building. Yeah. So it was, but it didn't feel like a third world apartment building, right? No, no. It was. It was. There was a big wall around it. A big like protection big wall, wall around it. There was, there was uh, anti-aircraft guns on the roof of the, oh, of that's the apartment nice. building. Yeah. That was made you feel oh, safe. Oh, so they're there. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Now that was right. If you ever watched the beginning of the Gulf War and you saw that, the, all the. Baghdad bombing. That where that was filmed from was across the street at the El Rashid Hotel. Oh wow! Oh, yeah, El Rashid. Yeah. And we went over there sometimes too. Another yeah. question. You may have already said yeah. this, but um, Clint's not a very good listener. Well, no, but, but I'm but I'm just trying to catch up here yeah, in my yeah, head yeah. a little bit, and maybe for the listeners as well. Maybe they didn't catch it as well. At this point, you're with the Canadian Forces, mm-hmm. but but the, the the actual tour of duties with the UN, right? right. Okay. Second into the yeah, you're you're you're, you're the, the UN pays the Canadian military to. Gotcha. Or Canadian gotcha. government gotcha. to send some of their people over. Okay, yeah, sense. and and it's yeah. mul- it's the UN uh, the it's multiple groups. It could be factions <laughs> from the US. We, we were be... the main group because okay, we were the comms group. But then there was like yeah, there was American. Uh, there was air. No, I, you know what? I don't see any Americans. But there was uh, Norwegian officers and officers from Denmark and all kinds of countries. The European kind of they were there yeah. and they'd get saddled up with a couple of Canadian radio operators or whatever and go out into the boonies yeah to uh yeah just to maintain communication it was just trying to get communications between the two countries sorted out and create this buffer okay. buffer zone so and then you served in baghdad yeah. for how long i was there for five months five months and then you went to i flew but we flew back via russia with air on aeroflot actually and then we went came back to canada i went back to kingston yeah i got promoted and i went to another unit and you got promoted to what's that next master step? corporal master corporal yeah master okay. corporal man that's you running you're running your own division at that point you're uh, kind of well you got a crew well you know what I, I had some really lucky tours and really cool things that i did so me and two other master corporals in my trade, we were tasked with the, we went to this unit called One Line Troop, where, and we would, our job was to go all over Canada again and and do the inside work of the telecom, because they would they were the cable placers, Jay, you know, mm-hmm. mm-hmm. the, so they would put the cable on the poles and in, in the ground and then shove it in the them building up. and we handle it. Yeah, yeah. So like, you're like the so, COs. Yeah, yeah. COs. Yeah, yeah. We're CO techs. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, that's what we did. And it was, okay. it was a super fun job. Yeah. Again, you know, you, when you're traveling around and you're on a per diem and you're well, living you're, in hotels. Out, you're out of the elements, right? Because it's all inside the elements. Yeah. Well, that's I, shouldn't why say, I shouldn't say that. I remember we did a job up in uh, Goose Bay, Labrador. And I was in Goose Bay in winter. And it was oh, yeah. cold yeah. and yeah. snowy. There was walls of yeah. You've never seen, uh, maybe you have, I have never seen snow like that. They On the side of the tarmac where the airfield is, they would spray paint the snow because the pilots had no depth of field of where that snow was the and where it wasn't. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So right. they put a spray paint line down down, the, down the thing. It was pretty cool. Yeah. And and the cool, one of the neat <laughs> they never turned their cars off. Oh, interesting. Okay, keep, keep them running. Even or if they night, don't stop, even they, they stop. Even at night, they, it was like it was like. Oh shit! Even at night, even at night, you feel. Full, full, yeah, otherwise you're. you're well, they, well, the freezes? radiator would freeze. The, radiator. the block would freeze. The, the radiator. Yeah. They run their cars all night. Because I'm sure back then they didn't really have the technology where you plug in your. Oh, they did. They did have a block. Okay. But it was still too cold. Still too cold. 
Yeah. yeah. Alert, the same thing. So I was in Alert. Uh, alert Bay, is that what it is? Troop yeah. as well. I went up to Alert to do a phone switch up there. Wow. So I got to go to a lot of places. Yeah. I went to, actually, it was the, with that one troop that I had done the Baghdad tour. When I got back, I actually, we had one more trip, or I had one more trip with the unit, and I went to Bermuda. I was in Bermuda for like a month uh, and a half. Or whatever. I some do. rum. Yeah, rum on. Every inch of Bermuda. That was pretty cool. Super cool. Yeah. 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 Lots of, a lot of neat places and, and, and things to see. And... Again, the the camaraderie and friendships you make and stories you get to tell about crazy ass shit about stealing flags or whatever the hell you're doing. And, that, that's and it. Women. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I know a lot of people join getting. the military um, to escape things. Other people join it because they want to explore the world, yeah. right? Yeah. And, well, some um, people need a sense of purpose, too. And you need a sense, yeah. sense of purpose. And, and, and it's, you know, it is a job. There is a job to it. It's... It can be bureaucratic as hell with, you know, I was in Ottawa for six years and, and you know, just the politics of it all. But, uh, yeah, anyways, I, I, I was lucky and I got transferred to Ottawa. I spent a number of years there and then I got promoted again, two, two promotions in Ottawa. And then I got sent to uh, Vancouver. Cool. Jericho Beach. Oh, Jericho. Very nice. Yes. Jericho yeah. Beach. So you went then, you came back from Baghdad, 89, Bermuda, 89-ish. Yeah. You came back to Ottawa. Yeah, I got transferred to Ottawa. Transferred to, 90. to yeah. um, Vancouver, Jericho Beach in... In 95. 95. And, and then that's the end of your military career story it ended there yeah it ended here yeah yeah i I did some things here you know i uh but but yeah it was the forces was changing big time you know we had some bad press and with with somalia and some different things that had happened and 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 i think the main reason well there's probably a few main reasons i get out one was the move it to Edmonton. That was just not in my in the cards for me. Not that, not that we don't promote <laughs> Edmonton. We love Edmonton. But anybody who's been to Jericho Beach and, and, and played volleyball on the beach or, or even just... It was like, it was like the, I just see Top Gun with you and your shirt off. Yeah. yeah. Well, yeah. you also yeah. have the option. Are you a Canucks fan or the Coilers? And you're like, ah, I'd rather be a Canucks fan. <laughs> <laughs> well, the luck of it is, is back in the 80s when I was in, in Alberta, I got to see Gretzky and Curry and Coffee and all those guys. Oh, so cool! The prime, so they, in their yeah. prime. So yeah. they already had their. They had enough. My hockey sense is always. I, I bleed blue, unfortunately, or maybe fortunately for me, but unfortunately for a lot of people, I'm a Leaf fan. Yeah, tough night tonight. Tough night tonight. Yes, yeah, yeah. tough night. Well, <laughs> the last time always be those tough nights. Yeah, the last time they won a Stanley Cup was black yeah, and white yeah, yeah. photos. Yeah. So, <laughs> hey, at least they won. Yeah. yeah. So well, right. no, when you only have eight teams, there's a better chance of winning. That's true. That's true. Yeah. <laughs> Just odds. We just talk about odds. Um, so, are you talking CFL here? Yeah, oh, can you, comedy football league. Um, so now, ninety-five, and you're back. Um, you're here. You drop out of the military, or you 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 you, you enter, I, I, or you I, phase I, out. I I put in my release. Is you what I did. I, I was living in Kitsilano, and I was like, "This I, is the place for needed, you." Well, I saw. Well, actually, you know, really, what it was. A lot of it was I. When you're in the forces and you're on base after base after base and you're hanging around with military guys and whatever, you're not interacting all that much with the civilian population. So, you know, you you don't you don't know your capabilities. Number one, because you mm-hmm. don't you, you don't know 
that there's other people out there in the regular world that are earning a great living doing what you're doing. Yeah. You don't know that, and you're and you're you're sort of isolated. Yeah, almost. And, I don't want to say the word, but almost ignorant to it because you're you've somewhat been stuck ignorant in this to thing. it. Yeah, totally. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And and uh, all you know is putting on that uniform every day, and and you get your six weeks holidays, and you get your this, and it's just like you got all this. It's easy. It's very, very, very easy. For sure. Absolutely. So yeah. sure, you put up with bullshit, like, but everybody puts up with bullshit. There must be right? an, an enormous sense of pride too, because you're not just. It's not just a job. You're also representing a country. And you're, that you're, was. That, yeah. yeah. That. That's right, and, and and you do have that soup sense of pride. But prior to, uh, I remember when I was a sergeant and I took a course, a French course. I was three months on this French course in Ottawa, and it was during uh, the referendum. Oh, okay, yeah, yeah. the Quebec referendum. Yeah, and it was brutal thinking that these people across the river wanted to separate from us, and I had the Canadian flag on my shirt every day yeah and you're going and and it it i don't get passionate about politics all that much but i did then for and, sure when you do you do i mean yeah you have the you you've earned the right to be yeah and, right. and for them to want to leave was really was what was it it was a crazy time i don't know if you guys were younger but it was a crazy time yeah. in canada and that vote was pretty close it was very close. Well, it's, t- it's happening. It it's was, still happening now, right? Well, now it's Alberta. Who knows? Yeah, right? the Albertans. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Who knows? Yeah. So, yeah. It, I mean, we didn't have social media like we did now. I bet you, if they did, it, it would have separated a long time ago. Yeah, could have. But made that huge you know, jump. you had that stuff going on, so you lost a little bit of pride there. I lost a little bit of pride with. Uh, they told us not to wear our uniforms. Um, oh well. In public, in, in when I came here to Vancouver, when the Somalia stuff was going on, because it was very bad press, and and they didn't want us to wear, and, and that got for your protection, and yeah, 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 yeah. You didn't want you riding the bus in Vancouver and getting spit on or something. You know what I mean? That's incredible. That's yes. I, can't, I can't imagine that now today. Yeah, the re, I mean the level of respect for the Marines and the Canadian Forces and the think of Navy Vietnam. SEALs, like think it, of Vietnam. They weren't respected, man. They came back and they were that, they were but, they were ostracized. But it's not their theoretically speaking, it's not their choice. It's the it's the government, right? They're they're fighting on behalf of their country or right. unbeknownst to themselves, their country. Mm-hmm. It's a war they're trying to protect their land. And when they come back they're being ostracized because they, they protected did what they, were told. they did they, well, they, they know, did their uh, job. Yeah, 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 but right. uh, but it was it was it right? They were just following blind orders, right? This is the thing about myself in the military and and as a technician you were you you know you you were sort of encouraged to question things whereas an infantryman is not encouraged to question things yeah run run to the fire so yeah yeah just step on the grenade and and if you're given an order that's wrong I'll tell I'll give you an example we were in Baghdad and we were uh, we had this sergeant major uh, this little Scottish guy funny as fuck but he he got drunk and he got no shit in the middle of the night he called all of us he went barrack room to room got his sergeants and whatever else to go knock on all the doors get everybody out we all had to line up out there on the on the in the parking lot yeah and he's drunk and he's yelling at us or whatever now the officers got wind of what happened he he was shipped back to Canada. 
Oh wow! Yeah, wow. yeah he just he just didn't he lost it. Yeah, right. right. I had a sergeant that that I worked for there that had never been anywhere in his thirty odd year career, and he was so fucking scared. He was so scared. Wow. And there was nothing to be scared of. I walked scared of I walked down the streets of Baghdad, little kids are grabbing at my pants, you know, bad Canada, bad Canada, you know, they're just yeah. and you felt like sort of like, a little bit like a rock star kind of thing. Although I knew that if they had a knife they might have stabbed me in the ass, but Mm, but yeah. but it was I didn't have the maybe I But were you wearing the blue beret then as well? So there's that sense, and you didn't have a gun, right? So they, they <laughs> no, know, right? So, no, you so really, you're walking down the street unprepared for anything. Just got a, the, your protection is the shield of a blue beret. Yeah, made out of felt. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Made out of felt. That's yeah. going to help. That's it's th- not going to help. This me. is your halo yeah. that allows you to walk the streets. Yeah, yeah. It's incredible. Yeah. Not in this day and age, there's no way you're not going with flak jackets and weapons right. of mass right. yeah, destruction. Yeah, we had nothing. No, we had nothing. It was it was just uh, and that was this yeah. is a different time because you were allowed, and and I guess welcomed to walk the streets. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe maybe even at the time encouraged to walk the streets just to show with them, the people well, to, to show them peace. Well, you got to think that they had been at war for seven years, so you got these kids that knew nothing but war. Yeah. Exactly. You got these, were and yeah, yeah, I saw. I went to one of the guys. One of my guys in my unit got sick. I can't remember what was wrong with him. Something to his blood or whatever, hemoglobin or some fucking thing. But he went to the hospital, and I mean, I had never. And we went and I went and visited him in the, in the Iraqi hospital, and I saw more guys with missing limbs and shit. Yeah. Fuck! It was crazy. Mm. Yeah, yeah. It was are, crazy. It, it gave you a sense of. Wow, we got it good. This is well, <laughs> yeah. and it's serious out there. Well, right? and the other thing is, is that when you, when you're done those tours or whatever, you come back to Canada, you realize like, sure, you, we can sit and bitch about Trudeau, and we can bitch about taxes and gas prices or whatever, but really, come on, yeah, bullets aren't it's zinging like, and flying. It's not. Over. It's yeah. you're not uh, dodging crap or well, worrying about your kid going out and playing in the yard and getting blown up by a mine or something. Yeah, know? exactly. Yeah, you know, it's. Um, like you said, it's probably pretty humbling, and then also like yeah. brings you back down to reality. But you were still young, like how, like I was still young. I was twenty. How old was I? Yeah, carry the carry the Yeah. So then you retired. You were twenty. How old? You're. I was thirty six. So ninety five. You retired. Thirty five. You retired. You're out of the military. You're here in um, in Vancouver. Yeah. And then now your career in telecommunications. Well, the, does that, that start? The, that's the cool thing is is the trade I was in. I liaised with a lot of guys from BC Tel or AGT or whatever Bell Canada or whatever. Yeah, because you were in and out of the CEOs and stuff. Yeah, uh, yeah, and and so I had some links into those kind of companies, and um, and then I got hired on by Metronet there as a startup oh, nice. telecom company. Yeah, yeah. So that was, oh, so you great. that was your first foray. In it, well, it was Metronet. I, I did a, I did a I did a uh, project management job at BMS Communications. Okay, yeah, that's right. That. I remember yeah. BMS. Yeah, and then so the, your first big gig at a mm-hmm. I guess a Inc. Uh, CLEC mm-hmm. would have been at Metronet. It was, it was the first CLEC, right? Yeah, incredible. Because I met I met you in '99. Yeah. 99. I had a lot of respect for you. You're, I don't know now. Right but, the, yeah, you're yeah. right out of the school. Right out of the university. What's the CLEC? 
Yeah, Selec is a it was a competitive a, local competitive exchange carrier, yeah. a competitor to Telus and Bell, which is your incumbent. And there's, uh, there's an ILEC as well, right? That's, That's incumbent. The incumbent. Yeah. Okay, gotcha. Yeah, Clint, you already know these. You're just, well, you're, yeah, just, you're throwing I'm, 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 verbal I'm, volume. I'm, uh, Good. Yes. Ask him the question. Be the, the, acro- be, be the yeah, acronym yeah. asker. Yes, absolutely. And so now, before we get into the topics for the day, so Joe, you worked your way through um, Metronet, the startup, yep. mm-hmm. and then um, we worked, we kind of traversed well, together a little bit. We, we went AT&T, to Bell Canada, yeah, AT&T, Canada, yeah. Bell Canada, and then... Uh, we got to work on the Olympics, mm-hmm. right? You got to finish the Olympics. I, I got laid off before. And then, you know, as as it would happen, you are now one of two principals yeah. running Central. one of the owners. Yeah, yeah uh, of the owner yeah. running Central Electric. It, yeah. You know what? The military gave you. Yeah, I got friends that, it's funny because I got a lot of friends that stayed forever, right? Like In 30, the military. Yeah, years. yeah. And, uh, and did and did very well for themselves and whatnot, but didn't get into uh, didn't get into anything, you know. And and actually, when they retire, they don't want anything to do with communi- communications or whatever. Well, they, they didn't like, they didn't want to finish. They didn't like it. No. Well, they're they're done it. They're done. Oh, they're just man. done. That. It's, it's, it's something up. Yeah. It's onward like, and upward. Onward yeah. and, oh, just okay. do something different or whatever. Like yeah. go work at Home Depot or whatever. Oh. I got guys like that. There's a lot of guys. It was. It used to be the running joke is everybody wanted to get out and be a greenskeeper. Oh, at the golf course. Everybody said, the seasonal job. Yeah, yeah. yeah. because uh, for whatever reason, I don't know. Myself, I, I, I knew that, you know, I, I, I just felt that I could do more, number one. I had a friend of mine's sister. She was a dietitian in the military. And she was here in Vancouver, and uh, she had gotten out and was working, I think, at St. Paul's at the time and yeah. stuff. And when I was going to get out, she said, "Come on over, Joe," and she helped me write my resume. And then she said, "She said, what do you think you should make? Uh, what's your salary expectations?" And oh I'm, yeah, I don't know. I just is in the military. I, you don't know what I was earning. Yeah. But she said, "That's nothing. Like you should be earning this, right?" So I was like, "Cool." So I, I, and and in no time that happened. In no time. I mean, it, it was just like, it was crazy. Sure. I, I, because this is the other thing is that, the, I don't know if it's because you have a certain amount of stripes on your shoulders or whatever, that's is what you think you can do. Yeah. Yeah. You know? So some ways in the military, it, it does limit you. It, 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 in some ways it enables you to say that I'm capable of doing this. In other ways, if you're... It just sets your your plateau, your value, your value, your devalue. You devalue yourself, and, and they always say, or they, you know, in here in the civilian world too, is it, people get promoted beyond their capabilities, mm-hmm. <laughs> but and, and sure. beyond their capabilities, but beyond their capabilities to even learn to move that to the next level. Right? There's that there's, level there's, too. You can learn it. You can fake it till you make yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. Um, but there's also the ones. There that, is the fake it till you make it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And that's or the uh, fake it till you run the company into the ground. Yeah, so I've seen, I've well, been part of that a lot. So. And I, well, I've watched a lot, a lot of war movies where yeah. where individuals are promoted right there in the battlefield because battlefield if somebody goes yeah. down. So it's almost like they're just the next best option, right? And and in the civilian world, we find that in our company. Sometimes you're in a place you're like, Ugh, this guy's just the next best option. We don't have time to go out and hire recruiters, right? Or, right. Like, let's just promote Joe and get him promote up there. Him. And, 
Matt. Whoops. Yeah. But, 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 but the guy, but the, the guy might be the best bench technician. So they started something in the military back when I was in, is they realized that they were promoting people beyond their capabilities and beyond their caught it. their yeah. their their that wasn't so much even their capabilities, but they, they they weren't happy with that. So if I'm a really good at fixing this piece of gear. I don't want to run five guys. I want to keep fixing that piece of gear. Yeah, that's right. So they started to give incentives to guys because the only way you could make any more money in the military was get promoted. Yeah. Oh, so you had to go yeah. up the, the tree. Yeah. Yeah. You, yeah. Got, you got so many. It's like a like a union. You're you're stuck in that. Yeah. Band. You got you yeah. got so many uh, pay raises just by being in that rank and whatever. Yeah. But then you plateau. And they don't get any more money. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, it's just the way it was, and people, you know, wanted they wanted a, a an avenue. You yeah, know. they want an avenue. So they give people money for. Well, you get money. You get extra money for doing UN tours. You get extra money for going up to alert. Um, you get extra money for going on like these these. Well, hell, you should be them. getting more money for being a Nobel Peace Prize winner. As Nobel, part of that. Well, the I mean, Nobel Peace Prize. I got to tell you a little story about the Nobel Peace Prize. So back in in 88 the, the uh, we were the, you know we were in Baghdad and we heard we got on the teletype came through that the Nobel Peace Prize was awarded to the UN peacekeepers not just us it was Nobel Peace Prize the, 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 Nobel Peace Prize everyone before yeah, you kind the, of the peacekeepers in, in general so then it was a year or so later a couple years later a couple years later they had the unveiling of the statue in, in Ottawa for the peacekeeping monument. Mm-hmm. So that parade was led by the, well, whoever was left from Korea to all the way through the various uh, regiments. You, yeah, at Egypt, Golan yeah. Heights, Cyprus, Yugoslavia. Yugoslavia were at the very end. And I was in this troop in Iraq. We were a very small group on there. So we're marching down the streets of, of Ottawa with our Blue Berets. I tell you guys, like, you can't feel the pride, like, that you, that people stand on the side of the road I clapping. Can't imagine. Yeah. It was... It, you can't buy that feeling. But the, I'll tell you the coolest thing. So we're, we're, they unveiled the statue, the Prime Minister unveiled the statue, and we're all gathered around that spot, and we all had to march back to National Defense Headquarters, probably for some beers and shit. But we're marching by the uh, Rideau... Uh, where is the hotel there right on, on Sussex Drive? I'm trying to think of what it was, but anyways. And the Ottawa Senators were going to be playing their first game, I think, that night. Oh, wow. Yeah. Back when they first got back yeah, in the league. Back, yeah. back, yeah. And Don Cherry and Ron McLean are standing outside. Saluting oh, you. And they're yeah. clapping. And oh, I'm going, way to go, boy. And I'm marching. And I see Don Cherry. <laughs> and I'm going. And I'm supposed to be paying attention to what I'm doing. Yeah, but yeah. I'm just so enthralled by here's Don Cherry <laughs> clapping for me. Yeah, and yeah. I tell you, it really was a, a, a good feeling. It's pr- yeah, so much pride, right? Oh, I mean, you know, you do things. And you, people just, you don't get to experience that. No, for sure. You know, like, so I remember watching the Stanley Cup Finals last year with my son. And then and when they won and they mm-hmm. and everyone's throwing their gear up in the air. And I, and I, I remember specifically saying to him, like, you can't buy that feeling. That's hard work. That you have to put in the work, put in the effort, mm-hmm. and it takes years to get that. And mm-hmm. what you got was the exact same thing. You don't just give it. You're not given no. that pride or given no. that feeling. No, like no, no, that. No. no, there's a lot no. of people. I will never feel that. 
Well, you, you might. Know. You might. Maybe. Maybe might. in a different form. Yeah, but who knows? Yeah, you're, you're right. Yeah, Don't sell like, yourself short. Things, things happen, happen in life here, and choices. I'll never win a Stanley Cup. Um, but maybe as a as the stick guy. Stick guy. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> but, I, I would be a great stick guy. guy right? Right. Yeah, right. Safety uh, administrator. Safety administrator. So, yeah, yeah, and, yeah. And, and these things tie into one another, right? Like you mentioned that is that I, when we did work on the Olympics. Yeah. When I'm, well, with my working with all the, I worked a lot with the photographers, mm-hmm. all the photographers, all the sport photographers. And I learned an awful lot about, like I, you know, when we think of sport photography, we go, oh, cool, that's the guy jumping. LeBron James, this, the other. It's not. It's always that scene of winning or losing and zeroing in on the face, the tears that. and the emotion. The emotion. Yeah. The emotion. Yeah. emotion sells. With all yeah. of us, yeah. it sells. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, and that's yeah. once again, it goes back to the the eyes, yeah. right? Yeah. Right. The, the eyes don't lie. The eyes don't lie. Yeah. With yeah. Don Draper, Madman had it wrong though, because he said sex sells. You guys are saying emotion sells. So. Okay. Don Draper is pretty good too. My father. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Wait, and Joe, Joe, Joe was talking about smoking in the workplace too. They just. Yes. Maybe tell us the story. It's just a good one before we go into yeah, the, yeah, the, yeah. the things about so, about yeah. your guy in the bunker. How to wake him up? Oh, oh no, he was. This was so smoking was was encouraged because encouraged. They, they had smoke breaks and you were issued a, issued an ashtray, and you had to keep it clean for inspections. But I had a guy in my barracks in Kingston. He was Andy McDougall, and he was he was. He was bad for getting up in the morning. And, and, but we had to get him up because we had to have our room cleaned and be ready for inspection. So, so to get him out of bed, I used to go and sit uh, at his bedside and I'd light up his cigarette and I'd, I'd take a puff or whatever to get it going and I'd stick it in his mouth and he'd finally, that's how to get him out of bed. Incredible. Yeah. And, and, hey, but you didn't smoke. I didn't smoke. Oh, yeah. I didn't smoke. Yeah. Incredible. Just to get him going. Just to get him. Just to, that was his turn on. Yeah. <laughs> so if they encourage, well, did they did they provide cigarettes or are you have no, to buy your, no, but but you could buy on the barracks on the lens at, at the Canex, the Canadian Exchange. Okay, for yeah. less money than what, civilians you get at the corner store and stuff. Like, yeah, cool. yeah. Right. I mean, yeah, yeah. You, can, smoke you have a little business going on. You buy a whole bunch. You sell. You sell them to civilians. Probably <laughs> smoke yeah. them if you got them. Yeah. And it's funny. There was guys that would uh, that never smoked. Mm-hmm. So these seventeen-year-old kids joined the forces, and they and as we're marching around and stuff, and then we take a break. It'd be smoke break. They call it smoke break. Well, I never smoked, and a bunch of us never smoked, or whatever. But there was these young kids that didn't smoke either, mm-hmm. but they started smoking. Yeah, <laughs> I need that break. I need that. I need that break. They started. It was their foray into smoking. Yeah, wow. Yeah, that's right. I don't know if they kept going or, did, or whatever, but all right. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so we're going to tie in everything that you kind of learned from mm-hmm. 1981 to 95 mm-hmm. into this leadership kind of moments. Mm-hmm. We I try to script it so that. Sure. Your learnings um, and what the military taught you and how you took that military learnings and, and utilized it into kind of the, the workplace and work practices. And one thing I wanted to talk about because of all the the wars taking place right now in Ukraine and, and now the um, Hamas and Gaza Strip war, like overseas, and we talk about a lot, is world policing. And... We, we all know who we're talking about here. It's 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 the United States and, and partially Canada because we support with money and, and some troops. But 
you know, how do we how do we control, how do we understand from a world policing level? We talked about this in kind of a nauseam a little bit on, on Monday. If we didn't have a world police group or the peacekeepers or NATO, you know, what what happens? How you know what and I know world, what that, would the world be like? Right? That's right. And and, and and that's a that's a hard thing to, to, to sort of like if this wasn't there, what would happen, right? It's uh um, I mean, it was uh, who was who was the catalyst for the United Nations uh, peacekeeping was the Canadian. What's his name? I have to look that one up. No, we got. I got to look I it up. Look Great, up. It, you threw me off up. script here. <laughs> yeah, but anyways, uh, uh, it, it was uh, Lester B. Pearson. Um, we got it. We got it. Nailed it. Nailed it. Yeah. Nailed it. Yeah. it's in my. You're I got a lot, Mad at Google. I got a lot of, a lot of stuff in his brain, but it's it's usually it's just rattling lyrics, around. It's usually lyrics and yeah. Beatles yeah. songs. Mm. But uh, <laughs> but no, I mean if 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 that you know you know Trump rattled on about getting rid of the UN, getting rid of whatever, like the world. I I say that the only way the world is ever going to unite over one common purpose is if aliens come down and we all got to fight them together. Yeah. I agree, you know, but I think it's got to be an external, like, external force. So we're one, we're one, yeah, exactly, and that, that's also how you abolish racism and all that. Right. Because now it's like we are the human race, right. we're one race. Yes, right? that's yeah. right. Yeah, and do we but, really? Did, the reality of that, though, I mean, it's, it's, well, hey, I don't know. I know. There, it, <laughs> we, it, maybe not in our lifetimes, but maybe after. But <laughs> hopefully after, right? But who decides? Who decides? You know, and. We talked about the U.S. We talked about the U.N. Um, and just how they govern and how they sure, um, sure. establish. You were in Iraq, and what and is their what is their overarching uh, decision making? Is it is it oil? There's always there's always a, a dollar figure. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. But but you look at something like that had none of that was Rwanda. Oh yeah, that's right. We talked about Rwanda. Right? Yeah. So yeah. there was just genocide happening. Like, I mean, if Rwanda was to happen today, and and some of that kind of stuff is, but with social media, as long as the internet is places, I mean, operating look, and functioning. Look at look at, look at uh, Ukraine, uh, and how many Russian soldiers were killed because they were posting stuff and they could track their phones and they knew mm-hmm. where the troops were. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Totally. It's it's insanity. Yeah. You know, and, and they you know, back in, in Vietnam it was, you know, planes flying over, playing rock and roll music and shit like that. Yeah. Well it's also it's, you you garner support and you get donations because people are watching actual live videos. Like back in the day it was you would have to read a newspaper or or listen to the radio. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And of course then there was government propaganda and they would they would whatever the government wanted you to hear is what you would hear and they'd filter out all the rest. But now you're see you're seeing all of that stuff. You get live And individuals camera of well yeah. yeah when we were when we were in Baghdad we, like we were in these apartment buildings and there was like four of us each each apartment or whatever and there was we had a television on that television was one station on that station was constant propaganda incredible constant yeah propaganda it was against the US because yeah. the US had what had they done the US had they did something because the Iraqis had bombed the Kurds up north yeah. with 
gas, yeah, whatever else, and and uh, but that was the, I, I oh the sanctions. I was the sanctions, and then that the bombing yeah. with gas is probably against the UN's well, code against, of conduct, military against, code of conduct. Not, not the UN's that was against. The, yeah, yeah, what yeah. What they call it? The um, there's a rule for that. Yes, yes, there's a rule for that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It ties in almost to our freedom of speech topic that we wanted to chat about today. So if we even get to that, but like. Yeah. You know. No. Yeah. You no. Know, yeah. Exactly. But I mean, when you're when you're fed information over and over and over again of a certain thing, I mean, you could think of what if you were a young kid and you were 11 years old and you were in in Baghdad and you you're tuned on the TV and it's telling you that, and all it was was flashing of bad shit that had gone in the U.S. Mm-hmm. It was the race riots in Chicago back in the 60s. It was Vietnam. It was yeah. Anything that bad that ever happened in the U.S., they were they'd find those clips and they would put them on the TV Incredible. over and over. And on the bottom of the screen, it just said, "This is the U.S. This is the U.S. This is the U.S." So you're 11 years old. Just building. What do you think? Yeah. What, what, and, like, and what are you going to grow up to be thinking? You're you're maybe you're three, and the the war went on there for seven years. Right. And for seven years, you're watching this propaganda. I, I saw a clip of. Um, Children in North Korea actually be like they sing songs about how they hate America. It's right. like in the classroom. Mm-hmm. It's the most incredible thing. So just building them in the school, like like how the hatred, hatred. Yeah, another it's country. Gone. It's like to me, it's mind boggling. Like it's just unheard of. Palestine like, and Israel, and then take they'll take a trip over to this side of the fence and go. Hey, it's no bad. That's actually pretty good. But the the problem is 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 that people kids aren't born prejudiced. That's right. No, they're they're That's taught. Because you can taught. Yeah. you could grow up next to whomever, you know. But they're it's it's ingrained in them. But That's right. the problem with the world policing side is that when you start to go into Afghanistan, mm, you take controls and you say yeah. this is the way you should live, yeah. and you're pushing your way onto things, and then you kill Buddy's uncle over there or whatever the hell it is. He's gonna remember that for the rest of his life, and he's not gonna like you. No, sure. and he's always going to have yeah. that resentment right. that exactly. you went in and killed his uncle. Yeah, Even, his a, uncle could have been a murderer or whatever, but he only knew so much. Yeah. And he might not have been, either, yeah. right? Yeah. Might have been could have been yeah, accidental been fire. Yeah, yeah. You know, there's there's that. the The thing is, it was funny. Is when I joined, I remember my dad was quite proud. Well, my mother and everything else too. But my grandmother, oh my god, she she didn't want me to join at all. Because mm. her husband had been in World War Two, mm. right? This is my dad was born in twenty eight, so his mother was born in like nineteen oh one or something like that, and and she lived a bit of a bad life with the war, mm-hmm. and she just did not want me to, you know, Partake, she was so yeah. worried about me, and I'm going it's Canada. We don't go to places. We don't do anything. Yeah, we go to we go to Cyprus and we go to Golan Heights, and mostly we used to stay in Canada and. Fill sandbags. Oh, and and oh, how the world has changed! Like now, we're Canada's supporting and on front lines in Iraq, Iran. Uh, yeah, well, we're in we, Ukraine. I know there's some guys in Ukraine yeah, right is, now. Like it, there is. I had a friend of mine. She uh, joined that uh, JTF two when it first was formed, and I remember thinking about it myself of, of going into that unit because it was a elite unit that you know they needed trades from all these different. To make uh, it function, yeah, to make it function properly, but yeah, uh, yeah. and, and uh, she retired from our, from there. Wow. It's, it, it's there's some cool things you get to do in the military. You can get to do where people f- falter. I think young guys is they 
they join for maybe the wrong reasons or they they don't they never put their hand up yeah they never put their hand up they right do as they're one, told right from day one i put my hand up it was right. like if they yeah. wanted to volunteer they didn't even tell you what the volunteer was for it was just like does anybody want to build yep my hand's up i just did it because I just wanted excitement. Yeah, yeah. When but you're, not you're probably does. eager to learn. You probably, you probably, you, see, you you come across as somebody to me that wants to constantly be learning and, and taking things to the next level. And a lot of people don't want that. They just want that status quo. And I'm just here to do my time or to collect my paycheck, and I want to go home and do my own thing, right? So very good point, because mm-hmm. I tell you that when you're a young private and a corporal in the military. One of the first things they, you know, they teach you a lot of stuff. They teach you how to iron. They teach you how to shave. They teach you how to <laughs> make your bed and all this other stuff. Yeah, well, cool. but but they bring in as well, and, and as you get a little more uh, knowledge and whatever your units usually, and they teach you finances and stuff like that, and they start to tell you about your pension, and they always bring up your pension and do this and you da, 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 your pension. Well, they were hanging this pension carrot in front of my face for fifteen years. Yeah. yeah. And I was only 35, you know, when I got out. I'm not getting that. Yeah. And, and, and it was almost a negative. It, for me, For me, it worked as a negative. Yes, for sure. Because I, I don't show me that shit. I don't care about that shit. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I, I want to do stuff. Yeah. And, and aspirations. Once I got to yeah. a point yeah. here in Vancouver when they were going to move me to a place I didn't really want to go, I would have went if I felt I had a purpose. Yeah. But when I when they were moving all these units and creating these super bases. So Edmonton was a super base. Um, Borden was a super base. They call, they take all these base. So they took Chilliwack and moved it all to Edmonton. They took Calgary and moved it to Edmonton. Oh, wow. And, and Vancouver was moving to Edmonton. So it was like, it, it, that was one thing. But the thing about it is, is that my job was to provide communications to that new base up there. Mm-hmm. I created a plan. It was great. Yeah, I knew what needed to be done. I talked to the guy from AZT at the time. Oh, that yeah, that was all good. Give government tell. Yeah, and BC tell. Yeah, now also tell us. Um, and we created a, a, a good plan for telecommunications yeah, out there. Yeah, yeah. These two guys flew in from Ottawa, and they we went to a meeting, and I sat around the table, and I had a presentation. I gave all these colonels how the comms was going to work, and then he, we walked out of the meeting. And these two guys from Ottawa said, yeah, we're not going to do that. We're going to do this other thing that was totally insane. That's, that's yeah, that's the exit and, and, for and you. And so right then at that moment, you knew. I felt that I, they well, didn't need me. You were, you, you were you're welcome. Yeah. If you're going to, if you're going to usurp my, my job and just. Plus say, your knowledge, plus the effort, plus you had the, you probably had designed. The, it was the right the, thing. The right thing. Yeah. It was the right thing. They just wanted to spend money. And and for me, like, I mean, even now, I, I do a lot of work for the government and I see such waste and it drives me crazy. Mm. Yeah. But, hey, I'm a private contractor. They want to pay me for it. it sure. But it doesn't make any sense. What, what can I do? Yeah. You just you take it and you... Uh, you take it and you pay your... You pay your employees. You pay your employees. Yeah, that's what you do. <laughs> um, yeah. So we're going to jump right into, and we're going to try to, I'm not say speed through, but we're going to pick up the pace a little bit. Clint keeps giving me the watch and the, giving the the eye a little bit. Hey, and Joe loves talking, so we might have chopped this up a little bit. But um, <laughs> finding your voice as a leader. 
And me wrapping this into you, Joe, as a, as a leader, as a Center Electric, um, me and Clint have been leaders as well. Um, you know, how do we find our voice as a leader? They're different, they're different te- you know, styles, proud and loud or quiet or direct or, you know, you run to the front. You know, what, what, when you were in the military, you brought it forward, you brought it with you. You know, what style, I guess, made the most sense for you when you came out back to, like you said, civilization? You didn't get a chance to deal with a lot of yeah, different yeah. people. Um, how did you find, because you became a leader quickly, as soon as I came on, you were already kind of someone I looked up but, to. But, so. I, I, yeah, and I think that uh, myself, I, 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 I'm not, a, like, I can yell. Ask my kids, I can yell, that's for sure. But that, that's not leading. Leading is is uh, um, finding people. Like, if you're given something to do, how can you get it done? Find the people that can get it done. Uh, um, lead by example. Teamwork. Building teams. Um, I learned, you know, as much as I learned in the military, I learned a hell of a lot at Bell Canada mm-hmm. in the Olympics because I was working with a bunch of athletes that weren't. Like these 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 people that we worked with in the games were, you know, Natural extraordinary leaders. people. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, not necessarily leaders. Like they were, might have been very much introverts. Oh, okay, got you. But but they but they led in a way that I mean, you would follow them anywhere. Yeah. They did it quietly. But they'd look. But they yeah. look behind and say, "Why are you following me?" Yeah. Totally. <laughs> totally. Yeah, yeah. It's it's no. it's it's finding. I think leadership is is. Um, you you gotta it's not only how you lead but who you're leading so you find the people that 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 are under you if you're if, if you're given various employees to to uh lead you, you got to understand each one of them as, a, as an individual and understand that they're not all going to behave in the same manner if you freak out on them or if you maybe coddle them or whatever some need coddling some don't need coddling i had some crazy people that was like oh my god how can i ever how can i get over that hurdle like like tools in a tool belt right if you just had a tool belt full of flathead screwdrivers right then you 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 can get one job done very well yeah yeah, but all the 99 other jobs jobs, can be really hard to challenge you right so no and um so you you're gonna have all these different individuals with different character traits and you're gonna have to learn how to um get the best out of each and every one of them which take which i think takes an incredible leader to be able to do um, and if you're not able to pivot on your style or to actually get down to their level um that's where i think there's a lot of roadblocks and you have a lot of challenges there is and and you find that that people um you try to find like so you need a job done and you're trying to find that round peg to fit in that round hole you see guys out there that are doing other jobs uh, and and you go and you try to besides hiring from outside because yeah. you can always put out that resume and or put out that that ad and yeah. say hey Get some i need somebody to do here. this yeah. but before i ever do that you want to look and, internal and i've done that ever since i've been at, at center now for 12 years and and it's finding people internally and and it allows the other people to see that there's upward mobility you're not always going to be pulling cable or uh, Mm -hmm. putting plugs on or lights on or whatever that's one of the biggest tickets i think is it's employee engagement yeah employee but 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 people won't always 
put their hand up and say, you, you have to identify as a leader. Exactly. Yeah. You can see it in them. You can see it in them. And you run a bit, a bit of a risk where you right. might have somebody that thinks that they're entitled to that role. They're, they're I'm going to get that role because I've been here the longest. I've, and I've, Joe I've, and I go not the fit. on Fridays. But, but then you see something in somebody else, you go, no, but actually, I think at this time, this person's going to be the right person for that role. And now, all of a sudden, you put a bit of a, of a wedge in between you and that individual. And, uh, and, a bit and, of a and that can happen, yeah. yeah. I, I actually, not that long ago, I put two fellas in charge that uh, um, they weren't the oldest guys. They weren't the longest serving guys. Um, but I could see by their demeanor and whatnot that the hardest thing about becoming a leader in an organization that you're already in is how you deal see the way the forces do it yeah is they move you to a different town yeah smart move you to a different yeah smart. so Very you're yeah, you can't do that in in normal because you have friendships business. Have relationships business exactly. connections so in, in the forces you yeah. drink in a different mess than the, than your boss right um, you don't even drink yeah them. yeah, yeah. <laughs> you get to do it in at mess dinners and things like that. Yeah, special yeah. events. Yeah. Special yeah. events, but sure. but yeah, you're, it's not the the norm, and um, yeah, so it, it 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 is challenging for you. And I always bring that up to them: is like, how are you going to deal with it when so and so says, you know, just you tell him to do something, and he goes, uh, whatever. I've I actually had that yeah, happen just sure. this week, and it, it happened. It was like the guy happens. says to me, "Do you see that that text he sent me?" And I looked at the text, and I went, "To me." I look at the text and because texts and emails yeah. don't show emotion. No. So you look at it and it's words and it's it's not all caps or anything. Yeah, not it's all just, caps. It's just yeah. it's just words. Like the guy said to do something, he said, Well, I'll think about that. And I said So I went back on his I grabbed the guy's phone yeah. and I texted, no thinking about it, right? Like it was just this is what you got to do to that guy. You can't just let him run on you. Yeah, for sure. You got to step on it yeah, and, and let him know that you're serious. Yeah. And that's, don't be a dick, but don't be a dick about that's, it. That's And that's you finding that voice, right? That's And as but that new transitional leader, trying right. to learn his right. voice. Right? And that's and adaptation. Right? Yeah, yeah that's and, and a young leader doesn't know, they don't even know what the definition of insubordination is, right? They don't, they, they maybe are, are and in they, that as, as a leader. In you're right, and then yeah. they, and they take it, and they take things way too personally. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, yeah. I get that. Well, they're, they're trying to that. prove something though, right? You, as a young leader, you're proving, hey, you earn, they're thinking that I earn the spot, so I have to be perfect. And so if someone else calls yeah, me, they think, well, that, that back in the day, maybe I don't know not, if they do maybe now. Not perfect, but I think but there's been a heightened uh, sense that yeah. you need, like I, I need to do my best, and I need to be the best because I took the role the, from somebody else. The company or my leader has invested time and their, money. Well, they put their trust in me to, to right. take on this new role, and now I, I have somebody that's being insubordinate towards me. And is that? And I, it's not so much even insubordination. I think it's more of just like your kids will push you. To the limit. Oh, they know the threshold. Yeah, of course. They test you. And and it's the same what, and these guys are in their 30s, 40s, whatever the hell they're in. Yeah. And they'll do the exact same thing. You're right. Maybe not, yeah, maybe not in that case, insubordination. Could lead to insubordination. It it can lead to it. Continue. Continue. You actually, you do get firm with them and say, hey, no, like, Joe, need you get this done. And then you're like, you know what? Fuck you. (laughs) Right. Insubordination, obviously, right? Right. Yeah, okay. Right. 
But yeah, what but, but, that, but they gotta have talk. I mean, I think I I. But see you gotta teach that like too. That, and there's there's different ways that people deal with it. It's like yeah, you know, just yell at someone or whatever. <laughs> or you you take them aside and you say, you know, listen, I know you might have an issue. Don't ever say that in front of the and, and you bring it and take, you yeah. do it in a way that they go that they almost quiver. Personalize, yeah. personalize, or or you, yeah. or, yeah. or you, or you, or you do use the eye language where it's kind of like, hey, like you know, when this happens, this is kind of. I don't want to bring feelings of all, but this is kind of how you made me look or made me feel. And you I, can, and, and you that, can. And I thought we had something better than that. I know? try like, to take, I try to take feelings out, out of it. Yeah, and, that, and, that's and just say, maybe say and feelings, just say but them, because it's business, you don't want to use the feeling. You got to like, th- you're getting paid to do a job. Hmm. I need to do this job. Yeah. Don't. Like, usurp me. Don't, don't, don't ever yeah. say this about. I've had guys say even about our company. You know, they're in a, they're in a, we're in construction, so they'll say stuff ab- about our company because guys bitch for sure. Time. Yeah, yeah. There's they're all, in the, they're they're in the office. Oh, the office is a bunch of assholes. Oh, the yeah. office is. Yeah. Oh, the guys yeah, in the yeah. office yeah. don't the, the right training. You know, it's like rules, guys, right? yeah, yeah. guys. You're around a bunch of carpenters. You're around a bunch of uh, what drywallers, whatever the hell they are. Don't be bitching about our company around these guys. Like, cause what? Yeah, be it's proud. Nice. You gotta, you want to show pride in it right. because you want to retain and bring more right. people into your right. company, and, and you want to exactly. win more work. Exactly. You have to understand that everyone out there is business development. Oh, it's business. And they're they're wearing a brand. You wear a brand. You drove up in a Center Electric truck or, <laughs> or right. a company XYZ truck. You're the brand. Right. So if you right. get out smoking and saying this place oh. sucks. You probably need to look for another job. Yeah, yeah. and see what's well, see what's what, on the other side. What is the problem? Why did you even start? You know, yeah, like, like, yeah. Do you not want to work for us? I had, I, I had to do that very, very, very early on when I, when I joined Center. More upside down writing. I like that. This when is I, a long one. Yeah, when I joined Center, I had a very, I had to do that very early on with a guy. He was just acting like I was new. I was his boss, and he wasn't performing. And I said, "Do you really want to work here?" <laughs> just like well, that's it. laid yeah. it down on the line. At the end of the day, yeah. Are we going to be able still to work with together? Me. He's still oh, with me. Our longest service employee. It's incredible. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Man, he, you know what? That scares him to going, you know what? Maybe i got to change my... But maybe i got to change my attitude. I, I like here. I like working here. I like the guys I Why do people for. stay at a company? That's a whole other... That's a whole... I was I was always the youngest leader in the room. I was just kind of the, my progression into leadership, and and I I got out of a union and went to a non-union role, and I, I did all these things, and I, I always went against the grain. That's just how I was raised, and I just I just worked as hard as I could, and and I remember people would always challenge me, and I've been called a scab, and I've been called all this these other things, right? And uh, I've lost my train of thought. I was about to come up with this really cool. Uh, you just lost your thought, train of thought. So now, totally just lost short it train, right? In the wow, of short train. Wow, short train. It's I blame the medication. So, 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 so medication. <laughs> I, I had a point. You, this is, so you just randomly rant. It was your well. Yeah. See, so you said as a young leader, you, mm-hmm. you were always a young leader. Yes. And and then uh, and then oh, you're trying to recover. You're trying to have him recover. It's too late. Yeah, yeah, that shit's yeah, on. That, sh- that yeah. ship sailed. Ta- that, he's the Titanic. Yeah, yeah. We're moving on to freedom of speech. Yeah, freedom. Yeah, we're <laughs> we're going now to freedom of speech. Uh-huh. And, and we, 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 we have freedom of speech. We, we talked a little bit about Should this. Everybody as well. get to vote. Well, well no, yeah, no, yeah. but it, but it means 
Oh, this freedom of speech is is wrapped around uh, in the business. Okay. And we have different views, right? So we have, let's use Can- Canadian uh, politics right now where we have the fuck Trudeau mm-hmm. movement, right? It's gaining significant momentum. Mm-hmm. Um, there's folks, in, non-vaxxers, they're all part of this different thing. And they take up, they consume a significant amount of time and pull, you know, our workforces and our people within our companies away from actually doing the work. They'll spend more time talking about why they shouldn't get vaccinated or why Trudeau sucks as opposed to getting our jobs done, right? They have the right to have freedom of speech. But where do we draw the line and say, hey, I need you to work. Let's stop talking about, you know, politics and all these concerns you have. We need you to work. We have, like you said, we have a job to do and we need to complete that job. However, we want them to be in and now it's very open for us to have freedom of speech allow us to talk i also think um you know maybe joe's perspective from the military like how did how did the military or the canadian forces deal with that type of rhetoric well you weren't allowed to you weren't allowed to like i i lived and worked in ottawa uh for six years and and walk in the streets of (laughs) of ottawa um up and down you know to national defense headquarters and etc and and no, if if someone stopped you on the street and asked questions, you just were not allowed to answer questions. Interesting. About yeah. that. So you just unless you were unless you were in a position like uh, uh, public relations. Yeah, pub, yeah, there, yeah. There was certain jobs that were allowed to do relations. that were allowed to answer those questions. Yeah. Many a soldier has been been uh, slapped on the hand for shit that they said in. In Iraq, or, or not so much in Iraq, we had it, but in Afghanistan, I know definitely. And is that then talking to the public or talking to the media? Talking to the media. Media, yeah, yeah. Is, is that like a muzzle, basically? The, the, your well, muzzle you're, 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 yeah, it is. It is yeah. a muzzle. Yeah, so because you're, 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 not, you're not, your job is not to, like, and, and, and guys would, uh, you, you can say whatever, and on social media, you can say whatever you want, but yeah. don't do it in uniform. Yeah. Don't do it, uh, um, saying that because well, you know, you're not a communications expert, that's not your job. Exactly. And you, you're, not that's your job. not your role within the military nope. to speak on their nope. behalf. Yeah, and yeah. and and I mean, companies don't have that kind of thing. It's like you know, the, well, a public company like Bell Canada may, mm-hmm. yeah. you know, mm-hmm. who's allowed to get press releases. Yeah, not, but that, that we, let's go back to that too. Bell, Bell Canada. I mean, the employees, some of them wear the Bell Canada brand, mm-hmm. and you could sour people just by your political views. Yes. Easily, right? easily, easily. Right? We, there's a huge divide, especially in the U.S. right now, with between t- Trump and uh, Sleepy Joe. Yeah. Right. So, yeah. like, w- <laughs> w- uh, was Joe Biden? But um, you know, there's a huge there, there's a huge yeah, divide yeah. there. Oh, we just side. lost. God, we just lost like a pro, pro Joe. Yeah, yeah. You guys. It doesn't have to be Biden. Oh me. God. Yeah. Yeah. I, I want to get into American politics, but there's a huge divide now between that, sure. and, and they spend days and hours and you could really sour your business uh brand and people would just i'm not going to right uh that target because they have a whole bunch of trumpers right i'm not going there like okay well that we have to be unbiased so now we're talking about eliminating freedom of speech saying hey let's toe the company line here well business for business first so so you look at a company like facebook meta they dropped that name right whatever yeah. But they put out this, you know, their intent at the beginning of, of whatever they intended to do was, was the college, a bunch of college guys making this whole thing up to probably get dates. But uh, um, 
should they just allow anybody to put anything on there and anybody to yeah, that's and and then it and and the problem is is this often nowadays with ai and whatnot it's not even people putting these things out it's just bots seeing that yeah. that that there's been someone that has googled a particular name or something like that on their thing and then those ip addresses are just filtered with a bunch of crap from mm-hmm. from where is it from china it's not even the reality and yeah. it's just trying to cause discourse amongst our society 100%. and a problem with that and that's the that's the whole division like we didn't have that in the i, I grew up in a, a earlier in the 60s and 70s and whatnot it didn't have that divisiveness there was like sure there was conservatives and you had to, in Canada, you had the Conservatives, NDP, and the Liberals. The NDP were never ever in power, but you had the other two were always jostling for power. But I didn't see the. I don't know, maybe I was young, but I didn't see the arguments and shit about that. I I sat on my dad's shoulders and watched Pierre Trudeau give a speech in 1967. I think it was in Oshawa. Yeah, wow. where he was first going to get elected. And and I remember it. I mean, my dad was. There was some there. unity. Was it, it was unity then? Well, was was it was it a unified? Not necessarily. There was a lot of people that hated Trudeau, but then once a person got in, like Kennedy, once a person got in, it was like, okay, we're all for him. Yeah, yeah. for sure. Yeah, yeah. His picture was up on right. every school classroom. Every, had a picture. Exactly. Of that, for sure. Yeah. Exactly. Then he was the president, or he was the prime minister. Right. And yeah, right. Yeah. You're right. So everybody is like, okay, get behind him. Okay, we don't always agree, but let's figured out yeah. and they worked in conjunction with one another to pass bills and create laws and whatever yeah. and now all it is is it's corporate uh interests infiltrating yeah then the politics yeah. yeah i mean the worst case of all of that is is the whole fentanyl thing mm. well and, and yeah i was just listening to a podcast on that where fentanyl was funneling through mexico from china right mm. that's the primary yeah. the yeah. bringers or, I guess it wasn't the fentanyl thing it was the yeah. opioid crisis Opoio- oh, yeah. the opioid crisis which right. is which is basically fentanyl so um, so we're going to put a button in it I, n- I know for a fact we are going to have Joe on again this Joe's full of stuff <laughs> yeah and so it like, is yeah, like it's, see, just, it's nice having Joe here I don't listen to Jason talking to um, sh- <laughs> you guys are absolutely fabulous <laughs> <laughs> you seem to have a lot of fun doing this thing Great and, and going yeah. a lot in different directions and so we're gonna I'm gonna have the fun part here um, it's my cocktail choice and I've got everything oh. ready uh, Clint you know what's in it right Right, so I you can rattle it off. I actually don't know. Uh, you it. son of a. So how about you tell me what's in it? I'll make it while you explain to. I can't what's because going. I gotta get it still. Oh, well, you gotta the, get it. It's over. The, yeah. What, oh, yeah. What's it called? Just me. It's the vasectomy. The vasectomy. I've got the Google. Yeah. So ever thought of that name? And I'll, I'll, I'm just going to take a moment. I'm going to set up and get these things going. Joe hasn't had one of these drinks, so this is what we do in the podcast lab. We have some cocktails while we're doing this, and now we have the, the special cocktail. I've, I've got it. It's the uh, it's the Ryan Reynolds vasectomy cocktail. It's 1.5 ounce aviation gin, which is Ryan Reynolds uh, gin from Vancouver Island. It's one ounce cranberry juice, a dash of lemon juice, three ounces of tonic water, and an orange twist. And instead of an orange twist, and I'm gonna I'm oh. gonna argue my way through oh. orange twists. An orange slice. If I an orange slice, because yeah. if I just shave off, you know, part of the orange and then put the orange back and do an orange twist, no one's ever gonna eat the orange. 
No, so I'm wasting food. No, but so now we're putting the food in there. <laughs> it's going to absorb the alcohol, <laughs> and we're going to eat that after. So it's, uh, it's you know. It's I got you. Yeah, yeah. So, but, 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 but and in the cocktail, they the twist for yeah, the, uh, for the, for the ambience. essence. No, it's, it's, and it's uh, the oils and the, the scents. You know, you ever see the little... But the, they, the I, twist, I'm leaving No rubber yeah, on the rim of the glass. I do it all the time. And I Or you can burn it. And I also added cranberries. Oh, because yeah, we're going to add a little they bit of cranberries on top. There. Fancy schmancy. Yeah, what they we're going to kick it up a notch. And then Ryan Reynolds will email me and go, hey, bro, heard about that. We're going to do it. <laughs> yeah, he is a listener. Yeah. He, well, he's from North Van. Uh, worked together with my friend uh, Graham Rogers as uh, stock boys at the Safeway. Right. He talked about that. Yeah, it's incredible. Yeah. I heard about his Safeway incident. Yeah, he was a, and he was a comedian yeah, yeah, yeah. even back then. So. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, let me get yeah. this thing started. Uh, we'll get I'm, the party going. I'm going to play the Ryan Reynolds um, YouTube video of him actually making the vasectomy. How making the vasectomy. Yeah. So we can get that going. That's, as long uh, as he doesn't give me a vasectomy. <laughs> That's right. Yeah, so so you and I have been down that path. <laughs> Terrible experience. Actually, it was a good experience for me. It was was it? Oh, yeah. And, I didn't and even back know. in the day, where did you go for that? Was that? Port Moody. Oh, Port Moody, yeah. So mine was Dr. Pollock in... Uh, mine was Dr. Pollock in Port Moody. Oh, he was in Port Moody then. Yeah, yeah he, okay, well, he, he, he travels. Oh, he travels. Okay, yeah. Because we also brought our son there for his circumcision. Um, oh, he did a vasectomy fun. No, no. Decision. But you know what's funny is like it's like a revolving door. Like I, I'm in there getting my vasectomy, and there's about six babies that came in and bing, 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 Fill a tall glass with ice. That's the way children fill our lives with so much joy. Next, pour one ounce of cranberry juice. Sweet, just like their little smiles. Then, pour three ounces of tonic. So bubbly. Then, pour three ounces of tonic. So bubbly, just like I feel every day I wake up after a long full night's sleep. Now, add a dash of lemon juice. Fresh if you have a few minutes to squeeze one, or store-bought if the little ones have you running around a bit today, the little scamps. Finally, we're going to add one and a half ounces of Aviation American Gin, the world's highest rated gin for the world's highest rated job. Aviation yeah. gin? Is that, is, that, is that like jet fuel? Finally, we're going to add one and a half ounces of Aviation American Gin. Stir, and then we're going to garnish with a little slice of sunshine. Mm. Now that is as refreshing as fatherhood. Well, something I call the vasectomy for no f-ing reason at all. Happy Father's Day, no, everyone. For no f-ing reason. <laughs> <laughs> That's, and then his buddy laughs. Something, something I call a vasectomy for no fucking reason at all. <laughs> It's funny. I didn't like Ryan Reynolds. Where did this guy come from? Okay, Jason. You gotta take a picture. I'll get it. I got it on my phone here. You gotta take a picture, oh, for sure. Oh, get the uh, cranberries in there. Oh, yeah. Throw your cranberries in there. And you got the lemon juice in there, too, eh? Yeah. Oh, this is... I'm excited about this. Okay. Beautiful. Mm. Boom. That looks amazing. We don't mess around here. Joe, oh, grazie. You are, sir. Yeah, grazie. Prego. 
Okay, this is it, the vasectomy. Thank you, Ryan Reynolds, for the recipe, and thank you, Jason, for concocting. Thank you, guys, for having me over. Nostravie. Cheers. Well, I know I I could get shit faced off of that. For sure. Actually, that's not too bad at all. I'm not a huge tonic water guy, but um, I think the cranberry juice kind of just gives it a nice... And that's the real cranberry juice, not the Mm -hmm. fake stuff. Not the fake stuff? We still going? Not the cranberry. Are we popcorn. off or on? No, we're on. We're on. I like it. So we're on, baby. We're, <laughs> we're, we're still. Hour and Joe thought we were off, but we're fully on. Cranberry juice. Um, <laughs> and, well, cr- and cranberry juice is good for your. Uh, well, so you buy the cram the ocean something. The ocean spray cranberry. Cranberry. Oh no, you gotta. Buy it's it. like it's all sugar okay. and uh, yeah. So I think this, this is, is like this a, is this is like the real deal. Like the real the deal. real like, deal. It's like twenty bucks a bottle now. Okay. So. Okay. Yeah, cool. and the, the pure. Yeah, the difference between like not from concentrate orange pure juice cranberry and freshly pressed. Orange. And if you're gonna make this drink, you you definitely want to use like the real cranberry juice. It does cost a significant amount of money, but it's well worth it if if you really want to enjoy your your drink. It's good for the kidneys. Um, Is yeah, it kidneys? And yeah, prostate, prostate, all yeah, that yeah. Cl- cl- very cleansing. Yeah. Um, but uh, thank you for everybody. Um, this is episode number twenty-one, and thank you, Joe. F Madigan. Day, everybody. Yeah, Canadian yeah. Forces Warrant Officer retired. Warrant thank officer you, retired. Thank you for your Never services. I really appreciate it. To be honest, I, I really appreciate um, everything you did as part of the UN Peacekeeping Group and, and it the was, Canadian uh, military. A joy and a, a very a lot of proud moments. I tell you, and I and I, I take the, that and I I try to share it with my boys that's what sure yeah that's what we wanted to capture here too mm-hmm. now a lot of people talk about the canadian military and the mm-hmm. can, canadian um, warriors or the people even the peacekeepers uh, i i hear a lot of you know mil, uh, u.s military stuff i just haven't heard a lot of stories oh, about they're much the, bigger uh, canadians than us. yeah well yeah, oh yeah. yeah absolutely um, yeah, yeah. yeah just so. just the military in california is <laughs> probably more more people than all of canada but my father That's sells right. poppies every year, and this year he'll be at the uh, Coquitlam uh, Superstore selling okay. poppies. Nice. Uh, C4th Highlander. Let's lock it up. Old man wearing his, his garb. I'll go up and salute him. Yeah, nice. you know what? And I, I go out there every year, and I always get a couple poppies from him. He gives me the, the cool ones, though, that actually have the pins in them. Right. Yep. You got to nail those. those yeah. I think they should all be that way. Like, like, well, it's funny. The poppy I actually used to have the the green in, in the middle. They were green. Yeah, they switched to black a couple of years back. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. yeah. But when I was a kid, it was there was always green. Well, you yeah. know what they say: once you go black, you you never go back. Yeah, you never go back to <laughs> wow. Yeah, okay, we're, we, uh, red we got to call the wrap. Yep. Thanks, Joe, for coming out, and, and thanks, Jay, for hosting such a great yep, show. Absolutely. And a great cocktail here. So uh, thanks, everyone, and uh, come back and join us soon. <laughs>